Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. All right, I'm, I'm here. How are you guys doing, by the way? Good. I just didn't make it out here in time to you. But we're going to talk, we're beginning the series that our... our um, Community market pastor obviously forgot the name of it that we've worked hard about. And I love when Erin makes mistakes like that. Don't does anybody like stuff like that? Because I get to talk to her about it afterwards. Because she you don't know this, but she gets real nervous coming up here to give the announcements. She's afraid she's gonna forget something or do, not do something. And of course, when this happens, praise the Lord. And she told me to go out and clean it up. I go, I'm not cleaning nothing up for you. So we're gonna talk about partnering with God. And uh, we're going to take you through this, the Christmas story, mostly uh, in Luke, and then maybe uh, on Christmas Eve, our two services then will probably veer into a different part of the, the birth of Christ. And um, what, I, what I want to do today, I want to begin uh, with this whole partnering thing, but I want you to think of it like this, because I'm going to go from, with, with partnering as the main theme, how we partner with God, because Mary partners with God, and I want to do a sub-theme as far as the prophetic side of it so those of you who might be new to it never seen it you could see the prophetic statements of the old testament hundreds of years before and how they're fulfilled specifically in this whole narrative right here but um if you think about being invited to uh, say a wedding you get the invitation and the date and and you know the dates that you're going to get there and you're going to experience you're going to see the couple and holy matrimony but something happens way uh, before that. And that is the couple, they, 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 they basically make a promise to each other verbally that they're going to marry each other. And that promise verbally now becomes a prophetic statement if you think about it. And the prophetic statement is fulfilled. The arrival comes on the day that, they're gonna, that they do get married. So there's this verbal promise and then that's the prophetic statement and then comes the arrival of it. If you take that idea right there um, you, um, and apply it here, it's no different because the Old Testament's filled with so many promises of God prophetically. Certain things are going to happen. Many of them already fulfilled. There are still some to be fulfilled, many in our future still. But this prophetic statement happens, and then the arrival of that prophetic statement uh, comes on a certain date. That's no different with Jesus Christ. In Genesis 3.15, because I want to take you way back now, way back. Put it up there for me, Ozzy. Um, here's a statement. Let's all read it together, if you would. Just humor me. One, two, three. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. That's the Messiah taking out Satan. And then here's the next one. And you shall bruise him on the, oh, I'm sorry, I got him flipped. Uh, uh, Messiah will take, yes, Messiah will take out Satan, bruise him on the head, but the, Satan will bruise Jesus on the heel. And so this is the first prophetic statement of a promise that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will arrive. And um, this statement is made 6,000 years ago, thereabouts, from where we are today, right after uh, the creating of Adam and Eve and um, the fall, the sin. And yes, I've just stated that humans have only been on the planet for around 6,000 years. That is a fact. That's true. That's biblical everything. So don't, don't go with all the other stuff. And, um, but if you go with where, where when Jesus arrives, when he's born... Um, that's about 4,000 years the statement is made 4,000 years before that moment and so it's the first statement of his arrival and you have this verbal statement this prophetic promise that Messiah is going to come and then we're going to read the story and we know this because it's 2,000 years in our past that Messiah did come on the scene he did arrive so that part's fulfilled and Jesus had fulfilled like about 300 and I think it's 30 prophecies with his life and there are more to be fulfilled as we go along in in, in the history of the earth so today as we begin this series on arrival of the arrival of the messiah like i said i want to show us and i want to take us through how we how mary partners with god 
And we'll apply that to our lives in three statements, in three applications, how we can partner with God. And in there, I want to drill down into some of our souls and some of our minds because some of us, we really don't think God would want to partner with us. And I want to kind of eliminate lies and thoughts that have been put into us that we just don't need to live out anymore. Because part of our walk with Jesus is we, our mind should be renewed and renewed and renewed to walk in the fullness of what God wants us to walk in. Any amens? So I like to break down lies that people believe. But, it, but then the subplot that I want to show you is what I just did with there. I want to show you how the Old Testament spoken hundreds of years before the event and correlates to Luke and you can see how it specifically is fulfilled. So I want to do two, those two things this morning. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to go through this Christmas story. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of commentary as I begin in the first couple verses. Then we're going to get right into uh, this, uh, this whole idea of partnering with God. Now, <clears throat> in verse 26 and 27, it says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Say Nazareth. Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, that is King David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, let me give you some things about these two verses. It picks up in verse 26 and it makes a statement in the sixth month. So the angel Gabriel comes to visit Mary in the sixth month. But the question is, in the sixth month of what? What, what does that even mean? What, what do you mean sixth month? If you back up in Luke, you find that what it's talking about is that six months earlier, the angel Gabriel visits uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're older, they're past uh, birthing years, they can't have kids and they have none. But the angel says, you're gonna have a child. And that child, we know him as John the Baptist. That John the Baptist will be your, your child. John the Baptist fulfills a prophecy in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. He's the forerunner which is 400 years before the event. But John the Baptist is who it's talking about in the sixth month. What's important about that, and I think one of the reasons why it's pointed out, is because now we know that John the Baptist is biologically six months older than Jesus. We know that, right? Did you catch that? Because Jesus is not quite conceived in Mary yet, but he's going to be. So John the Baptist is six months older. John the Baptist eventually comes on the scene. He grows up. And there he is baptizing at the Jordan River. And the whole baptism thing. But in John 1 and verse 15, John the Baptist makes this statement concerning Jesus. He says, of Jesus, he says, For he existed before me. Now, that doesn't make biological sense, does it? Because John is six months older than Jesus. But John says, no, but Jesus existed before me. So when you put those things together, now you realize what the New Testament is teaching and what we know about Jesus is that Jesus is an eternal being. Amen? He always was. He is a God-man. He had no beginning, and he has no end. He is eternal. John comes, and John is born. He's conceived at a certain moment in history, but Jesus always was. We also read there that it's a city of Nazareth. Nazareth is uh, outside of the Sea of Galilee. It sits up on a hill. It's kind of in a, in a, like in a little, I don't know, a saddle kind of thing right there. And at the time, not a big city at all. But he's at the Senate of David, and they, they're from Nazareth, and so we know that, we'll see next week, they have to go to Bethlehem 
to register in the census of Quirinius, but they live in Nazareth. That's where Jesus is going to grow up. That's why the term Jesus of Nazareth, okay? But Nazareth, the word means netzer. Now, netzer is the word for branch. Now, this is where it drills down, and it's really interesting, is that because Jesus' father, Joseph, is of the descendants of King David from Bethlehem, but now they've settled in Nazareth. It's called Netzer, but why is it called Netzer? Where'd you come up with that name? You go back to Isaiah again, and you find in the Messianic statements of Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, Jesus, the Messiah, that he's called a tender shoot. But then you further drill down, and you see in Isaiah 11, verse 1, that this Messiah to come is called the branch. And now you begin to piece it all together and you see the descendant of David, this Messiah to come, will be called the branch, Netzer. And so when they went there, they took the name with them, Netzer, which became Nazareth, and it will be Jesus from Nazareth, Jesus the branch, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. Have I made it clear so far? Yes or no? Okay, good. Now, let's look now at the partnership between Mary and God because there is a partnership between the two for this Messiah to come into the world I got three things for you today number one about the partnership is a criteria had to be met a criteria had to be met now let's read verse 27 through 31 I will read it to you here we go to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Mary's, by the way, a lot of Mary's New Testament, very common name in that day. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. It means to be endowed with special favor. But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And how many know as a follower of Christ, you have favor by the grace of God? Amen? Amen. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him, name him Jesus. That's right. Now, the obvious question I'm going to ask you is this, um, or, or let me, yeah, let me ask you the question first. Um, what was the criteria that Mary had to meet for her to carry the Messiah? She had to be a what? She has to be a virgin. Okay. Now, this is written 700 years before in Isaiah. Now watch this, and in case you say, well, they wrote it at the same time. No, we even have the scroll, full scroll of Isaiah from the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are dated 150 B.C., which is a copy of the original. But even that shares this, way before Messiah ever came. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So here comes God. He will walk among us. But here's Isaiah prophesying hundreds of years before the event that a virgin will carry the Messiah. Now, sidebar. So Jesus will be birthed in a pure womb. Jesus will ride into Jerusalem on a young colt that no one's ever sat, a pure colt. Jesus will be buried in a tomb in which no one's ever been buried in, a pure tomb. So there's all these purity statements of Jesus as in his life. But the first criteria that we see is there's got to be purity in this person's life. She has to meet the, the description to be able to partner with God. Now, what I want to do now is I want to talk to you and I want to really unpack something I want to talk about patterns, say patterns, and pronouncements. Say pronouncements. Try it again. Patterns, pronouncements. I say that, I make you say that because I want you to remind me in case I forget the two statements as I'm going to talk about. I'm going to come down because this just, the definitions popped into my head this morning while I was washing my, my beautiful skin. No, I'm just joking. 
Okay. I'm a, I got a question. And you don't have to raise your hand. You're not, it does, trust me, I'm old now. It's, you don't have to make me feel better. How many of you, by show hands, you really, you really want to partner with God and fulfill God's will? Amen. I mean, you really want to do that? Okay. How many really, I mean really, you want the fullness of God in your life? Okay, good. We're, we're going to get 100% one day, trust me. Okay. Patterns and pronouncements. Good, you remember it. Okay. I want to talk to some of you in this room. It's not all, but some of you, but because if I say all of you, somebody's going to go, oh, that's not me. Okay, whatever, guy. I've been around too long to not to think that there's some perfect person in this room. No, you're not. None, none of us are. Why is it that some people cannot walk in the fullness of God? Because here's God wanting to partner with Mary. She meets the criteria. She's walking in sexual purity. She is a virgin, and that had to be the criteria from Isaiah. She could have messed it up and never met the criteria. Am I right? Yes or no? And so we have to be very careful in our lives now. If we want the fullness of God, and this is what drives preachers crazy, is a Christian say, I want the fullness of God, and then they go out and live the way they want to live. Okay, I want to talk about patterns and pronouncements. You'll get it, you'll get it. Okay, why do some Christians, followers of Christ, never walk in the fullness of what God wants and experience that partnership to expand the kingdom. Let me tell you one reason. Patterns. Patterns. When we come to Christ, when you came to be a Christian, I know for me, there were a lot of old patterns still in your life, right? Yes or no? Old patterns. Those old patterns were old ways. They were ways that you and I both know that we tried before and it never quite worked out or never brought what we really wanted. Any amens? So you can come into Christ and now I want to partner with God and I want everything God wants for me in my life and as God brings me something that's like, oh, thank you, Lord, praise the Lord. What we, some people begin to do, some Christians, they, what they do is they sabotage it and they blow it up because they go back and revert to old, what's the first word? Patterns, and they apply the old patterns to this situation, to this thing God is doing in their life. And they blow it up. And they sabotage it, because if it's a new thing from God, the old patterns that used to walk in are not gonna work in this, am I right? And therefore you have to change the patterns. You can't walk in the old patterns. Now what's the second word? Pronouncements. Now listen close. Somebody in this room, listen. Listen. There are inward pronouncements and there are outward pronouncements that hinder us from walking in the fullness of God. Let's take an inward pronouncement. Let's say that, and some this, this is Christians, trust me. There's things that you and I have done in our past, things that we're not proud of, things that are shameful, and the enemy replays it in our head repeatedly. And he beats us up with it and beats us up, and that could be 10, 15 years ago. And he beats us up with it, and pretty soon that inner voice, we start to feel so guilty that we think, how could I ever partner with God to do anything of any magnitude in this lifetime? Anybody? That's for somebody else, that's not for me. Because you, don't you know what I did before? Don't you know? And so we have these inner voices that play in our head that need to be eliminated through the blood of Jesus. We'll get to that in a second. But there's also the outward pronouncements. Because possibly there's somebody in this room growing up, there were outward pronouncements where somebody, people, whoever said, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ugly, you'll never amount to anything in this life why aren't you like so-and-so? And you have all these outward pronouncements and it just rings in your head and rings in your head and you just can't get past it. And so what we call sabotage, you'll sabotage the good things in your life because of the old noise in your head. Anybody? 
And so we walk in things like that. And here comes Jesus Christ, and he wants to partner with us, just like he partners with Mary, and we keep sabotaging the criteria to be able to walk in the fullness of God. Now, let me give you one of the clear illustrations to hopefully paint the picture in your mind so you can see it. And you guys know I'm a movie guy. Three people got that after 20 years. Okay, good. How many have ever seen Forrest Gump? Some of you have never seen it. Wow, okay. I want to ruin it for I give you 28 years. So, so Forrest Gump, you know Forrest, Forrest Gump, I'm Forrest Gump, you know that guy. So Forrest Gump, his, his, the girl that he loves is named Jenny. You know Jenny, huh, right? But Jenny in the movie, and this, whoever wrote the script is like, they really understood patterns in humans. Because Jenny, here's a girl that made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and after bad decision. And all through the movie, you're going, God, this girl just can't seem to get it right. She comes to the point where she stands on that ledge and she's going to end it all. She's going to jump off the building. But she doesn't do it. But here she is and her life is a mess. And then there's that point in the movie where she comes back to where the city where she grew up with Forrest and then you find out something. There she is outside the house she grew up in. And what does she do to that house? She starts throwing rocks at it. And that's the famous Forrest Gump line, sometimes there's just not enough rocks. Remember that line? But then you come to the deduction, you deduce in that moment. Because you remember earlier in the movie where she runs out in the field and she's praying, God, make me like a bird, let me fly away when the angry alcoholic dad or whatever comes looking for her. You realize she was abused by her father. And there's a lot of pain in her life. And listen to me, listen to me. I've talked to so many people in 40 years. There is so much pain in people. We're a fallen world. Every, everybody has a little bit of pain. Some people have a lot of pain. And so, but you come to the realization, all the pain in her life has led her to, to make all these bad, bad decisions. But the great thing about the movie, if you never understood or contemplated this, is that Forrest Gump is the Jesus Christ character in the story. Hollywood has no new ideas. They keep borrowing from God. And here's Forrest. Why would you say he's the, the Jesus character? Because every bad thing she does, every time she rejects Forrest, every time she tells him something awful to drive away, Forrest still loves her and never holds it against her. Any amens? And that's what he does. And he's always there. And he's waiting for her all the time until finally, through everything, she comes back to him. And Forrest accepts her never brings up any past, never does anything. And she finally accepts his love. Do you remember that? And love breaks through her life. And those last months of her life are the greatest months of her life. But it took someone who loved her, accepted her the way she was, even though they, she rejected him, she still, he still loved her and loved her and loved her. And remember that moment she says, why are you so nice to me, Forrest? He says, because you're my girl, Jenny. <laughs> but listen, love breaks through. Love breaks through. And whoever in this room, all that pain, all that hurt, all the wounds, all the things that, they, that drive you to make bad decision, not the best decision, to push the best people away for you in your life. Love has to break through. And that's the love of Jesus Christ. Well, Jim, how do I get rid of the voices of the past that tell me I'm bad or I'm this and that? Once love breaks through and you allow that love to break through, Jesus brings along justification that not only are your sins forgiven, you're declared absolutely innocent of everything. Because once love breaks through, 
it fully breaks through. Now listen, if I'm just going to make it into one person's head today, listen. If you just start to stew on what I just told you right now, for the rest of your days, it will change your life. It will change your life because you'll walk with a new lease on life. You'll now be able to partner in the holiness of God and not sabotage anything good coming your way. You'll now walk in the fullness of God. And don't tell me you don't want that because you do. But I hope you take up that offer. And if you're not a Christian, I hope you're a Christian by the end of today. And if you are a Christian, you need to walk in this newness because once you do, it revamps everything. Everything. Now, I gotta move on, okay? Here we go. Point two. How is God's specialty? Now watch this. How is God's specialty? Verse 32 says this. Now the angel continues speaking in this partnering and he says he will be he's speaking of Jesus he will be great and will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end say no end Mary said to the angel how can this be since I am a Oh, so she's asking how. Now, quick side note prophetically, so you can see how the Bible coincides, spoken hundreds of years earlier. In those verses, you saw that Jesus will be a descendant of David, and of his kingdom, it will have no end. Kingdom of David, remember, and no end. Now, let's go back to Isaiah to show you that this Bible is a supernatural document. It's a library of 66 letters put together. Now, watch in Isaiah. This is 700 years earlier. These, these words are written. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be, louder, there will be, no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David there is, and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore the zeal of the Lord will, of hosts will accomplish this did you see the connections prophetically it is stated the Messiah will be of the descent of David that kingdom and Messiah's kingdom will have no and you see it in Isaiah now you see it in Luke you see the connections right there now let me talk to you from my heart for a second his kingdom will have no end let me talk grandparents you're going to understand best parents you probably will understand as good as we do because I have grandkids now and the world is not the world that I grew up in it's not even close. How many grandparents like me, you worry about your grandkids growing up in this world? Because it's insane. We've lost our minds. So I worry about those kids. I worry about the indoctrinations and the brainwashings and the, the different ideologies are gonna try to pound into my grandkids' heads that's why church, the word of God, everything's so important. I want my grandkids to be on the offensive against the ideologies because we're at war. And he said, yeah, we're at war now. No, we've always been at war. Christianity is a battle. It's a battle thing. But the one thing I want to leave you with, grandparents and parents, is no matter how bad it gets, and it can get worse, don't, don't die, deny that, is that Jesus' kingdom will have no end. We win. Jesus wins. Don't forget that. In the middle of everything, don't forget that. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen? Which tells us the local church is the greatest thing going on planet earth. Any amens? That's why everybody needs to be part of a local church. Because together we push back the gates of hell. That's how we win. But we will never lose 
because Jesus is not going to lose. So even though it makes me nervous on a mental level here in the physical, I know in deep recesses of my foundation of my faith that Jesus wins. There will be no end to his kingdom. Amen? Now, let me take this point again. The point of this is how is God's specialty? Now, if you struggle with how, then you'll never take the steps to partner with God because you will wonder, how is God going to do that? Has anyone ever struggled with that? And Three of us? The rest of us, it's easy. I'll follow God no matter what. Okay. Let me try to give you a, an illustration to maybe loosen the effects of how. Because if you struggle with how, as we all do. So I'm driving to work here about a week and a half ago. And I notice the car in front of me. I go, well, that's, that's my, my son-in-law, my daughter's car. And I realize that my son-in-law is taking two of my granddaughters to school at Bright Beginnings, Willa and Scotty. I call Scotty, Gotti. Scotty's gonna, she'll turn three in January. Willa's four. And so I, like a good granddaddy, like, drive like a maniac to pull up to the side of him. <laughs> And how many granddads know it's okay to break the law in those moments, right? There's things you can bend the law about. So they stop at a red light, and I pull up next to them, and like a good granddaddy, and I'm granddaddy, not grandpa, not jeepa, not expa, not that, I'm granddaddy. And so, and I start just going like this to Peter to get his attention, because you're carrying cargo in there that I really care about. And he sees me, and he doesn't roll down his window, because he don't want to talk to me. But he rolls down the window, the back window, where Scotty and Willa are in the car seats. And I go, Scotty, Willa! They're like, Granddaddy! And then, you know, they get all excited because I'm the favorite person. <laughs> and we're talking, and I tell them this, because they're going to school, and they get out at noon. And many times I get to go and pick them up and walk them back before mom comes and gets them, or grandma comes and gets them. And so I said, do you want me, do you want Granddaddy to get you donuts so when you get out of school you have donuts? yeah okay okay now we're talking right now the window rolls up they drive on I drive on now here's my here's my questions do you think that after they drove off and I drove off because I drove right to the donut store it's already action in motion do you think Scotty and Willa looked at each other age almost three and four and said I don't know how granddaddy's going to pull off getting those donuts. I don't know how granddaddy's going to pay the $4.20 for those three cake donuts because I got to get one for myself, right? How is granddaddy going to... Man, I'm stressed out, Willa. And Willa goes, I was worrying about the same thing, Scotty. I don't know how granddaddy's going to do that. Do you think they thought like that? They just drove on and thought, Donuts! That's all they thought. There was not another thought in their mind. Now, let me tell you why they probably thought that way. Because granddaddy has gotten them donuts almost every Thursday morning for the last year. It's a standing date. Peter brings them in on Thursday mornings. I'm in my office, and I have donuts, and we have a great time. So when they drove off that day, they weren't worrying if granddaddy, how is granddaddy going to get the donuts they knew the granddaddy has delivered on donuts so many times and they remember the granddaddy delivers on donuts so they don't even stress about the donuts. Amen? How many want a donut right now? I do too and I already had one. But here's the thing guys. They're not going to stress over it because they know granddaddy has the power, the ability, the desire and the love to get those donuts for those kids. We forget that about God, huh? Huh. Huh. God says, I want you to partner with me. Well, how? How? Do, do you have the ability? This is why, and I shared this with the men yesterday, to be a rememberer. You have to remember what God has done in the past. Because when you start to forget what God has done, then you'll start to doubt. But if you keep remembering what God has done, because God even told Moses many times, remember what I did at the Red Sea. Remember, you gotta be remembered. It's the strength of your faith. And if you wanna partner with God, and if you don't wanna partner with God, I mean, don't worry about it. This doesn't even apply to you. You don't have to even stretch in anything. But if you do, 
This will blast through the how. Because you will know that God has the power and God has a desire and God has the love to blast through and de deal with the how in your life because he'll do it. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Let's move on. Number three. God's how may look different than our how. Have you ever found that to be true? I have a lot, all the time. Now watch this. The angel answered and said to her, Remember, she just asked, how? how? Come on, she just asked, how. how? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Sidebar, watch this. Keep it there. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He'll overshadow you. In the New Testament, our bodies are called tabernacles or tents. Did you know that? If you look up the Greek, we're called, we live in a tent. It's not, it's not a forever thing we're living in. It says here that the Holy Spirit will overshadow the tent of Mary. Now you take the imagery and you go back to the Old Testament and they set up the big tent, the tabernacle. Remember that? And then whenever God wanted to speak to Moses, what would happen? The cloud would come down, the Shekinah glory, and it would overshadow the tent. Do you see the imagery? Do you see the imagery? There's a parallel there. It's just a cool, cool thing. Just wanted to give it to you. Now let me go back to this issue. Our how and God's how might be two different hows. How many just really wish God would take your advice? I mean, I mean, God, I got a good plan. You know, okay. But here's what it says about God. Put it up there. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What does that tell me? That tells me that I really don't think like God. And I really shouldn't be telling God how to do things. So I need to look, obviously, into the Word of God, because the Word of God is God's thoughts and God's Word. And so if I ever find myself arguing with the Word of God, then who's right? God, the Word of God. Because my how is different than God's how. And sometimes we can stall ourselves out because we think, God, how are you going to do it? You've got to do it this way. He says, no, that's not the way we're going to do it. We're going to do it this way. And then we fall back into it. But how are we going to do that? He says, don't worry. How is my specialty? I can do that. Now, I want, to, I want to really focus now on this point, but I want to take it into a specific category and com compartment. If you're here today, and you're not a follower of Christ, you've never given your life to Jesus, it's quite possible that you have a how of salvation different than God's how of salvation. Let me explain. One day, a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is an extremely religious man, and he's called the teacher of Israel, which means he's way up there. He's the top teacher. He's a Pharisee. The Pharisees become the archenemies of Jesus. Nicodemus doesn't go along with the rest of the Pharisees. But he comes at night, and probably comes at night, can't be for sure, but probably comes at night because he doesn't want the other Pharisees to know that he came to talk to Jesus. He's got questions. It's okay to ask questions. And so he talks to Jesus, and he says, hey, Jesus, this is an opening line. You know, we know, Jesus, you've come from God as a teacher. He doesn't say as Lord, as God, doesn't say anything. You're just, you're just a teacher. But he adds, but because nobody can do the miracles that you do unless God's with them. I know God's with you, but you're just kind of a teacher. 
Jesus just kind of sucker punches him, just lays him out. And Jesus says this to Nicodemus. Nick, unless a man is born again, he will never see the kingdom of heaven. Now, you better stop and think about that. Because if anyone in their mind thought when they died, they're going to heaven, it was Nicodemus. He really, I mean, I'm going, he said, I'm going to heaven. You guys probably not, but I'm going. If the townspeople thought if anybody's going to heaven, it would be Nicodemus. But Jesus Jesus tells Nicodemus who everybody thought going to heaven who Nicodemus thought I'm going to heaven Jesus tells him no you're not unless you're born again you'll never make it there let me give you the translation Nick unless you're born again you will end up in hell forever can you imagine the shock in that man's mind? So what's going on? Nicodemus has his own how he will get to heaven. Jesus comes along and says, that's not how a person gets there. It's this way. It's this way. See, some of us in this room, we've grown up possibly thinking, if I'm just a good person, that's how I'll get to heaven. Uh, not wrong, never gonna get there on that one. Because it'll never wipe out sin. And sin is the separator from God. Some people say, well, I grew up in this certain religion. Uh, not, not gonna get you there because religion doesn't get anybody to heaven. In fact, religion has sent more people to hell than anything else in all of history. So, well, I just keep the Ten Commandments. Well, you couldn't even tell me the Ten Commandments. That's not how it happens, man. How it happens, how salvation is attained is through a person. A personal relationship with the one who arrived a couple thousand years ago. The one who was prophesied about. The God-man, Jesus Christ. His how is, you must place your faith in him. You must ask him to forgive you of your sins. You must invite him to be the Lord of your life. You must surrender your life and lay it all down. And now you follow him. And that's it. And the spirit of God will overshadow you and come to live within you and give you a new DNA where you can walk in a new life. Does that make sense? Look, that's why when I read the Bible, it's the only thing that explains the world and why the way the world is. Nothing else explains it right. That's the only thing that makes sense because you're, you're a Christian. No, it's, it only makes sense. And so this morning, you can live in your how. You can risk it. And say, so I just think it's this way. Or you can take the how of Jesus. You gotta be born again. You gotta let the spirit of God come and overshadow you and come into your life. It's just that simple. You gotta ask Jesus to forgive you your sins. That's the how. Your how has been wrong. And it's gonna send you to the wrong place through for all of eternity. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity. Let's pray. as you contemplate those who have never placed their faith in Christ if there's any of you in this room Jesus arrived on the scene a couple thousand years ago to give you life to open the doorway to heaven eternity with him and to shut the door of hell that's his how he went to the cross he took your place took your punishment and mine And now he wants to save you with all your baggage and all your past. And he's okay. He still loves you. Because love breaks through. So if you've never placed your faith in Christ, 
and you'd like to. Or if you backslid and you've walked away from the Lord and it's time to come back for good. Then I want you, where you're sitting, I want you to open up your eyes. Look up at me right now. I'm going to look around the room. When our eyes meet, you can close them. Do it right now. Now those who looked up at me, I'm going to say a prayer. I want you to repeat that prayer. Everyone's going to say it with you. You must confess it out loud. Paul, New Testament writer, says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. You must confess it. But everyone's going to say it with you. As you confess faith in Jesus, those who looked up, you got to believe in him. You got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he did rise, resurrection, attested to by nine eyewitnesses, written about in 27 documents. And some people outside of Christianity wrote about it in history in those time frames. And once you do that, the Spirit of God's going to come and dwell in you. And your sins are going to be washed away. So here we go. It's the most holy moment. The overshadowing of the Spirit of God in a person's life. Repeat after me, everyone with them. Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Shedding blood your blood to forgive me. Thank you for taking my pain on that cross. Forgive me of my sins and I know I'm forgiven. Come into my life. Take over. Today I choose to follow you for all of my days into eternity. Now allow me to pray, God. I pray for everyone who looked up. I pray for your friend. It's the most holy moment of your life. This is the biggest decision you'll ever make. I made the decision 44 years ago I was very young into everything in the world, all the sin, everything. And God changed my life. And I've never looked back. I never wanted to go back. It's a better life. Because now someone who loves you walks with you and justifies you, declares you innocent of all sin. Clean slate every day, every second of your life. And now you can partner with God and do something of impact for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray for all the Christians here. I pray you begin to impact again the way you once impacted. That you begin to seek God again. How do you want me to partner? What is it specific you want me to do in my world? I pray that fire burns again that once burned and if it never burned I pray it begins to burn. Jesus thank you for your arrival. You came you never traveled more than a couple hundred miles from where you were born born in these little villages obscure places and yet here we are 2,000 years later and you've impacted more people and you continue to impact more people than anyone else in history because you are the God-man. You're the only explanation for this world, the way it is and what needs to happen. Thank you, God. Thank you for the salvation of people. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said...
Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Stand up with me, everybody. But let, let me tell you, we're in the Christmas season. And the Christmas season is unique. In that some of you are going to see people that you really don't want to see. You're a Christian. Live your Christianity. Love breaks through. Some of you are heading into a Christmas season for the first time without somebody. I pray extra grace on you. Because I know it's difficult. I understand it. I know that God is with you. But I pray that through the whole season that you just remember that we have a, a strong awareness that God walks with us wherever we go. And if you looked at me today, God walks with you now. He lives in you. He overshadows you. Therefore, wherever you go, you brought Jesus with you. And that's a cool thing. Really cool thing. Hey, God bless you. We'll see you Tuesday at Bible study or next Saturday at the Pancake Santa breakfast at 9 in the morning or next Sunday for the next one in the series. God bless you. Have a great day. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. Oh, man. I did it again. Here we go. I messed up. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. This is what I get for making fun of Aaron, right? Okay. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you. Go get some cookies and cocoa and everything else. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.